Guys, that was fun. Uh, just very quickly, um, some of you have heard me preach before. How many of you have never heard me preach before? Ah, a few of you. All right. Most of you know my relationship with Brent and Sharon goes back a long time. My wife and I have been married now uh, 14 years, and um, we were newlyweds when we met them. And so we have a depth of history of relationship. And I watch Windward. I pay attention. Believe it or not, I, you know, I, these guys probably see my name log on, you know, during your services. Normally what I see, if I can be honest, is the back of Kevin's head. <laughs> and I'm like, move, Kevin, move. But, but, and I've also known Kevin longer than I've known Brett and Sharon. So we are family. But I watch to see what God is doing here. Because our community is just a few years behind. It's amazing how that works. It's like what you guys are breaking through, we're stepping into. And um, I'm going to share this with you one more time. And I'm not sure if I'm able to communicate it with the same measure of depth that I feel it in my heart. But God began to speak to me as I was praying for Winward about a tri-generational blessing that he was pouring out. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many of you have heard the prophecies. You know, I'm guilty of giving some of them. It's God's moving among the youth. And he, and, he, and he should be. He should be moving among every generation. And the last day says, God, I'll pour my spirit upon who? All flesh. It's an all flesh revival. So those of you that are 70 and up, you don't get to retire from the kingdom of God. It's like the worst mentality ever. We need the mamas and the papas. And it's interesting to me, right when people get around that 60-year-old age group where they've already, like, raised their children, sent their kids off, they have grandkids, they, 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 they're, they're doing so well in their life, then they check out from the church. That's the time we need the guidance. Now you're actually freed up to serve the vision of God. And so I really feel like what God is building here is not just about one generation. That Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you remember what happens after Jacob, it was the 12 tribes. Wow. This is about legacy and about inheritance. Wow. And so I just want to encourage you, those that are visiting and those that are, just continue to pray for this ministry because it's not a flash in the pan thing. Yeah. And I just want to also honor very quickly Brett and Sharon for their faithfulness. Yeah. I planted a church. Brett and Sharon helped me, but I planted a church by myself, my wife and I. That's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's way easier just to travel and do ministry than it is to plan a local church. And it's very easy just to bail. But what you're seeing is called faithfulness. You could build a ministry or you can build a family. These guys have chosen to build a family. Let's just honor them very quickly. Let's give them a... Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. awesome. And that's really heartfelt, right? We mean that. Turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28. I want to share something with you that um, I just turned 38 this April, and the Lord spoke to me and said, 38 at the gate. And I have a friend that passes a church called the gate. And so I looked at my schedule, because sometimes I don't know where I'm going to be next. And I looked at my schedule, I go, I'm not, I'm not at the gate till November. So I called my friend. I said, hey, Lord spoke to me and said, 38 at the gate, what does it mean? Why did you name your church the gate? And then he shared with me this encounter he had with God 
that's so impacted me. So Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10, you can turn there. I'm going to read. I want to really camp on this passage of Scripture. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there. Say place. I've studied a lot of the context of the scripture, what's going on during this time. You guys remember that Esau is getting ready to kill Jacob. And Esau is not the guy you want chasing you. You guys remember Jacob and Esau? You guys remember the story of what happened, how Jacob deceived his father for the blessing? Esau is angry. Jacob is also running from Uncle Laban. Jacob has found himself in a season of his life where everything seems to be falling apart. The Bible says when he arrived at a certain place. We understand certain place is a geographical location. I've also heard some people teach that the, geographic, that the place is a place called surrender. Have we gotten there yet? There's a place called surrender. And that place called surrender is when we really start to see the breakthroughs that we've been believing God for. And sometimes, and it doesn't have to be this way, but sometimes it requires people trying to kill you and deceive you and talk bad about you. And you go, God, how come you just don't stop it? Because I'm trying to draw you to me. <laughs> Guys, in this world you will have, but I have overcome the world. Not Ivan. Jesus has overcome the world. Those of you that don't. He's inviting his people to walk with him in intimacy. The rest of the scripture says this. Because the son had said he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head. He was at a, you know, what's the expression between a rock and a hard place? And lay it down in that place. Again, I, for me, I, I love this place of laying down his head on a hard place. But yet in that place, he trusts the Lord. He falls into that place called surrender. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its tops reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord. And he gives him this promise, the same promise that he gave with Abraham. Then he says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I want you to remember that. In your Bibles, you can underline that particular passage of Scripture. And we'll bring you back to the land. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early that morning, and then he, he calls it Bethel, the house of God. Let me give you a little historical context very quickly. In the ancient Far East, they believed that their gods were local, local deity. So it would be like, you know, the Philistines, they worship Dagon in Philistia. And then, you know, in the Hittites, they had their god, Molech, that they worshipped. And depending on what geographical location, they had their god. And so the, the Jews, they had Yahweh. Something amazing happens here, where Jacob is now running away from Laban, from Esau, the guys he's taken off, and he has this encounter outside of his geographical location. And he sees this ladder set up in heaven. And he sees the angels of God ascending and descending and says, God lives in this geographical location. In this place is where he lives. Are you with me? I believe in thin places. I used to not. I used to believe in it, then I stopped believing it, and now I believe in it again. <laughs> because I went to Ireland, and I started having open visions of thin places, of stairs that the angels would come out and go up and down in all over Ireland. 
And I was like, oh, Lord. I do believe that there are places that God establishes on the earth where people call thin places. And you can, you can study this in church history where people have prayed for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, and just by being in that place, it's as if you enter into the prayers of the saints. It's powerful. I believe that God still does that. But context here is a geographical location. That's what Jacob thought. It's interesting also to note, the first time house of God is mentioned, there's no building. House of God is mentioned, and it's connected to God's voice, and it's connected to angels, it's connected to heaven. Oh, this is important here. But something happens to Jacob that I want you to understand. Jacob doesn't stop his journey there. He continues to walk and go different places, and guess what happens? He keeps finding God there. What are you doing here? I thought you lived in Alder Grove. I'm in Abbotsford. You surely don't live in Abbotsford. <laughs> then he goes, well, I don't know, I used to live around here, so Chilliwack. He definitely doesn't live in Chilliwack, right? He's in Chilliwack! So what happens is, as Jacob is on his journey, he continues to encounter God. God's supposed to live at the church up the road. Why is he following me? He promised, I will be with you. Jacob missed that part of the promise. I want to read you very quickly a footnote by uh, F.B. Meyer. It's out of Genesis 28, 17. It says this. There is an open way between heaven and earth for each of us. The movement of the tide and the circulation of the blood are not more regular than the intercommunication between heaven and earth. Jacob may have thought that God was local. Now he found him to be omnipresent. Every lonely spot was his house filled with angels. Now listen to this last line. When Jacob found God in his own heart, he found him everywhere. I want to show you something. I'm going to move here fairly quickly. Now, Genesis chapter 35, God speaks to Jacob and says, I want you to go back to Bethel. Go back to that place and I want you to rededicate it. I want to read it to you. Genesis 35, 6 through 7. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. He built an altar there, listen to this, and called the place El Bethel, because there God revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. What's the big deal? Bethel to El Bethel. What's the big deal? All of you know how important names are to the Hebrew culture. Bethel means house of God. El Bethel means the God of the house of God. He goes back to that place and he says, I thought you lived here. <laughs> but you don't live here. This isn't about this location. This is about you. Everywhere I go, you follow me. Oh, this is important. Because in John chapter 1, Jesus references Genesis chapter 28. And he gives a, a word of knowledge. You know, I saw you under the fig tree. And he says, you saw me under the fig tree. You truly are the Messiah. And Jesus, can you imagine? He's like, you think I'm a prophet and the Messiah because I had a word of knowledge? Wait till you see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, I am Jacob's ladder. No man can come to the Father unless through me. You're going to see angels of God ascend and descending. Something so powerful I want you to understand. 
In the old covenant, Mosaic covenant, God lived in the tabernacle of Moses. Are you with me? I'm moving fairly quickly. Just give me one of these. Because I tend to be a Bible teacher and then I'm going to have to go all the way back. And So just do this. It encouraged me in the way. We go from the tabernacle of Moses to the temple of David for 30 years. That's our type of worship. What you see up here? That's Davidic worship. They can teach you that later. Then you go to the temple of Solomon. Are you with me with the temple of Solomon? Okay. Then Jesus appears in uh, John chapter 1 verse 14 and it says this. And the word of God you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He dwelt among men. The Word dwelt is tabernacle. Jesus was the tabernacle of God on the earth. He had the Spirit of God without measure. This is so important for you to understand. Just track with me for a minute. In Ezekiel chapter 47, there's a prophecy that makes no sense to the Jews. To the first century Jews, it made no sense. I'll tell you what the prophecy is. It says, flowing out of the temple is a river. That makes no sense. If you understand the Hebraic culture, the ceremonial laws and all that, things get holier closer to the temple. And then in the Holy of Holies, only one guy can come once a year. That's the holiest place. So holy, they had to change their clothes because if they brought the clothes and it touched somebody, it would make them holy. This is, this is the Bible. This prophecy says that out of the temple, listen, out of the temple flows a river. And it says that wherever the river touches, it brings life. Wherever the river touches, it brings healing. Wherever the river touches, it the fish, the harvest of souls. So now this river flows outside of the temple. This is a prophecy of Jesus. He's the tabernacle of God that the religious did not understand how he's touching an unclean person. He's touching a leper and making them clean. They're not going to the temple. The temple's coming to them. Oh, this is powerful. We can get excited about Jesus being the temple. But do you get excited about understanding that Christ is now in you? And the scripture says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is important. The habitation of God is where? Among men, it says in the book of Revelation. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? A gate is a place you cross. You there? I got a gate in my front yard. It goes from my front yard to my backyard. Jesus is the gate of heaven. He dwells in us. You and I are the gate of heaven. Don't think it's heresy here for a minute. We want to see an unsafe person cross into heaven. You and I are the gate. We want to see somebody healed. We're the gateway between the miraculous anointing and that person's sickness. We are the house of God on the earth. Not just Ivan. It is not biblical to say, I am the church. You are not the church. The scripture doesn't say you are the church. It says we are the church. We are. Ephesians 2.22 being built up to be a habitation of God on the earth. This is why I want to encourage you to start shifting your mentality. The local church is critical because of all the things that you've been seeing going on. People come, get encouraged, they get equipped, they hear the word. Families being formed, relationships are happening. It is so healthy. 
What's all that for? So that you can come to your identity. You can learn that you are a child of God. Excuse me. And then you can live in the church on Monday. The church on Tuesday. The church on Wednesday. Now you bring, you bring the revival service to your work. You guys know Samuel Robinson? So Sammy and I and Kevin, I was their youth pastor. And I remember Samuel and Kevin, these guys were just crazy, you know. Still a little bit crazy, but crazy in a God way. In a how much of God can I contain in this earth suit type of way. Are you with me? And I remember being at a coffee shop, and Samuel, this lady's back is, is to us. And we're sitting over there, and Sammy says, I haven't watched this. And he looks at her, and he's, and she goes, I said, hold on a second. That's just, I said, that was just a coincidence. And then all of a sudden, he goes, well, watch this. I said, Sammy, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm a carrier of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for her. I'm releasing the glory on her right now. I said, this is real. She can feel the glory that I'm carrying, touching her. Guys, this is real. Bill Johnson's in a supermarket. And he's just standing in line waiting to buy his food. Lady behind him falls in the spirit. Boom. He said he was so shocked. He didn't even help her up. She gets up. She's like, I don't even know what's wrong with me. Bill leaked. The scripture says that Peter's shadow healed the sick. I broke that word down because my shadow doesn't heal anybody. The word shadow is the word overshadow. And it's the same word Mary, the Holy Spirit, overshadowed her. Peter walked in such a revelation of intimacy with the person. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not a parakeet. The Holy Spirit's not a bird. Jesus Christ is seated in heaven. The only God on this earth is the Holy Spirit right now. Did you hear that? You see how it got all quiet in the room? That's not blasphemy. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the only God on the earth. And it's the third person of the Trinity. We need to get to know him. Holy Spirit is more than a hoe, a little, you know, a little hay. He's more than a shake. He's God. And as a church, we need to learn how to be sensitive to the third person of the Godhead. We need to become so aware of the Holy Spirit and what he loves and what he likes and what his favorite song is. And his, I mean, come on. Yeah, I travel quite a bit. And I remember, you know, please forgive me, you know, if this is like your favorite worship song, but it's like, this is the air I breathe. When you hear that every weekend all over the world, after a while, I'm not getting the Holy Spirit on it. I'm like, this is the air I breathe. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then you start making up songs. You ever hear this song? He goes, I'm going to ruin something for you. I'm a Don, I'm going to ruin this song for you. It goes, oh, I'm not going to try to sing it. My voice is off. It says, you don't hold yourself in pieces. You don't give yourself in pieces. That's the one. You guys remember that song? Beautiful song. 
I hear it everywhere. Every Bethel church I preach at, they sing that song. And so all of a sudden, I heard it a little differently. <laughs> you don't give yourself in pizza. I'm sorry. You all do the same thing. We do it. Especially pastors that live in church services. I'm going to ask Brett. He's in church service all the time. And so what happens is we have to start to learn, instead of getting bored and getting dry and going into dead religion, and oh my God, and then we pull away from the church. Listen, we need to begin to in communion with Holy Spirit. I, I search for worship songs. I constantly am looking. I'm reading the scripture like, where is God at right now in this second? Oh, man. And then you find a song that starts to cry. Your heart starts to awaken. You go, Lord, I'm encountering you in this season of my life with this song right now. And you just get to know the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, Catherine Coleman. I said, what's the secret of your ministry? She says, Catherine's secret? <laughs> Catherine died a long time ago. She died a long time ago. See, God's not looking for silver vessels or golden vessels. God's looking for yielded vessels. And then she would say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. I, I want us to get back to the place of hunger. I have discovered that some of the church, not all, because God's moving, is bored. You know why you're bored? Because somewhere along the lines, you stop walking in intimacy and hunger with Jesus, and it became about the politics of church. You know, I pastor church. You know what God spoke to me? You tired of playing church yet, son? I said, I'm the pastor. You tired of playing church? Are you tired of playing church yet, people? Some of you are. Some of you are not. You're like, well, you know. I remember that one time I was tired of playing church, and then they had me doing children's ministry for 20 years. So I'm to you. No, listen. You are the church. You are the house of God on the earth. When you begin to meditate upon the revelation, Brent said it during the conference, we put our hope and trust in the Lord. And he said something, and God puts his hope and trust in us. That is 100% biblical, and it challenged me to the core of my convictions because I don't trust in myself. Like, you're putting all your hope in me? Can you find another player on the team? <laughs> I don't always show up. On, but there's something so powerful of yielding, of saying, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of playing church. You know, I'm tired of putting my trust in man, and then when man falls, and then I'm, I lose my faith. No, God, I, I want to come to know you. I want to know you for real. So you know what, Jesus, I'm going to let go of my pride and my insecurities and my fears, and I'm going to rest my head upon the rock, and I'm going to surrender to you. In this place of surrender, would you meet me? In this place of surrender, would you reveal yourself to me, Jesus? It was in that place of surrender that God revealed himself to Jacob and said, I am with you. With that word, you can do anything. Anybody have an older brother, a cousin, you know, anybody? That was really tough. My older brother's about this big, but he's got little man syndrome, you know? Oh, he was in fist fights all the time. Then he was in the Marine Corps. I mean, seriously, he's a bad dude. He's like that big. Trained with the Marine Recon, the whole thing. And I remember when I went to high school and somebody tried to pick on me. 
I can't tell the rest of the story because it gets a little shady, you know? He brought, well, I'll tell you, really, really quick, it was a long time ago. We went and picked up this guy that lived on the wrong side of town. Are you there? You got to the wrong side of town? Yeah. We went and picked up this guy, and my brother says, knock on the door. I'm like 14. Guy's dad comes out, how can I help you boys? And my brother says, why don't you go get your son? The guy goes, what do you want with my son? He says, hey, why don't you go get your son before you get hurt? And the dad goes, and the son goes, I got this, dad. I'm like, what the heck's about to happen? <laughs> this guy comes out, he's like, he's like 6'4". He's like, brother says, you see this kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard you were uh, trying to bully him. I didn't know it was your brother. I didn't know it was your brother. He goes, yeah, I figured he didn't know it was your brother because I didn't think he would do that to my little brother. And then this <laughs> guy from the other side of town, I don't know what he was doing. I'm hoping he was adjusting his underwear. Because he lifted up his shirt like this and showed something to the guy that made him a little shocked. The guy's like, oh, nobody ever messed with me again. I don't know why. I had a crazy big brother. Jesus Christ isn't crazy. But you know what? He's not a little mancy-pantsy Jesus. Jesus! Listen. You ever see those pictures of Jesus holding a little lamb? He's like... That Jesus creeps me out. <laughs> it's Jesus. He's, Jesus is the vegan. He's the vegan and he's the pacifist. Guys! <laughs> I believe with all my heart. Oh, I, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail. Lord, help me. The Lord is restoring the warrior nature to the church. You know why it's hard for us to surrender? We're so bored, you know? I want to just commission some of you men. It's time for men to start singing and writing worship songs. Because there's not a man in this room, I hope, that enjoys singing, Kiss me in my mouth, Jesus. Our whole worship movement is feminine. And that's why all the women are in the front and the guys are like, I don't know. We've lost the warrior side of God. When God says he's with you, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a fight. As I'm talking about the house of God and who you are and what you're carrying, guess what? It doesn't mean that every person you touch is going to get healed. It doesn't mean that everything that you put your foot on, like puff the magic dragon, it's just going to happen. There's going to be a contending of your faith. But I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is releasing in this hour shields and spears. Just stand with me. I want to minister this instead of preach it. God is releasing shields and spears. Shields and spears... And I didn't know this when I saw the vision, but the tribe of Gad, the Gadites, they had lion-like faces. They were the warrior tribe. And it says of the Gadites that they had shields and spears. And I had a vision when I saw a warrior asleep. And I watched as the hand of God shook him awake. And I saw on the wall all these weapons covered in dust. The Lord said, I'm awaking the warriors in the church. And these weapons, son, that you see in dust... These are the spiritual weapons that the church has forgotten about. 
Weapons like joy. Weapons like praise. Weapons like thanksgiving. These are the weapons that the church has forgotten about. And then the Lord showed me these shields that many of us carry. This is the shield of faith. And they were battered and they were, some of them were broken. And even if you study the first century, they had to make an assessment of the shields before they gave them to the warriors because they'd get cracked. And some of you, you're fighting the good fight of faith, man. But your shield's been so battered and it's so cracked and it's getting so heavy, God wants to replace your shield. It is the faith of God he wants to give you. Not just you relying on your own little mustard seed, but there's going to come an infusion of the gift of faith in your heart. The spear is Numbers chapter 25. It represents the zeal of God. You can look at it later. It's hard to have a burning heart for Jesus when your faith is hurt. Are you tracking? It's hard to be passionate for God when you're disillusioned and you're hurt and the pastor hurt me and this happened and this happened. And We all have that. And I just want to encourage you, please hear my heart. There's not a perfect leader, a perfect mom, a perfect dad. The only one perfect is the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're the only ones perfect. There's something so powerful of saying, God, forgive me for setting my faith on this individual when they come crashing or when they disappoint me. I lose my faith and I get hurt and I'm not passionate for God. No, if anything, our humanity should make us run to Jesus even more. When I see a brother struggling, I go, God, I thank you that you're the only one perfect. God is restoring to the church shields and spears. The shield of faith and the zeal of the Lord. Just close your eyes for a moment. Father, I thank you right now for that warrior grace. Exodus chapter 15, 3. The Lord is a warrior. That's what it says. Father, I thank you right now. And I'm not talking about fighting. You're thinking, this American came over. Good night. He's going to try to pick a battle, a war or something. No, 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 no. Spiritual battle. Powerful to demolish strongholds. You all have. And every one of you are facing something right now. And you don't face it alone because the word of the Lord says, I am with you. Father, thank you right now for the shield of faith and the spirit, the zeal of the Lord. I pray right now, God, that all those disappointments, the times that we prayed for people and they, were, and they died and the, and the times that you know, we, 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 we believed something and it didn't happen, God, we just pray right now all discouragement and disappointment be washed away in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, God, for the faith of God to infuse our hearts like as if we were just born again this morning for the first time. I, can t- I, I know many of you in the room. I was just thinking about I don't know if I should even, I'll just say it this way. There's a gentleman here. Well, I remember his testimony, and, 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 it, and, and you know, it was a long time ago in his party days, and, 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 and somehow, uh, probably an angel drove him home when he was wasted. How did he get home? He couldn't even, but the, Lord, the Lord must have drove him home, protected him. The guy radically got saved. I, I can look around the room, and I can see so many of you, and what happens is you got bored. You got bored. And somewhere along the lines, we started playing church. And I'm telling you right now, God is, listen, I hear this in my heart. It's like the commander of the heaven's army saying, the general has need of you. I I hear it in my spirit. It's like the draft notices are going out. The king of kings, the lord of lords, the Yahweh Sabaoth has need of you. Will you pick up your shield? 
Will you pick up your sword? Well, you know, I, I did a lot of ministry 20 years ago. Why'd you stop? Well, I was hurt. Yeah? Yeah? That sounds like life. Pick it up again! I'm not here to pastor you. I'm here to come as a, a, as a whatever in the army of the Lord and say, we need you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that the sound of drums be released in the spiritual realm, that we could hear, Father, that we're, you're wanting to advance your bride. In this hour, I had an angelic visitation living here where the Lord spoke to me out of Numbers 10.9 about the army advancing and the enemy has been defeated. He's going to give you the land. So God, we just make that declaration right now for all of Fraser Valley. We thank you right now, Father God, for just an outpouring of your spirit that's happening even among in unity of churches. We just release it now. We bless it, Father God. And really, really quickly here, I remember asking little Elisha. I said, Elisha, what's the Lord doing? Kevin Donison. So what's the Lord doing? And he paused and he looked around the room and he said this, healing. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, right now, we just release your healing anointing. I mean it. If you're sick in your body, pain in your body, we just command healing to come in the name of Jesus. Healing in your heart, healing in your womb. God's opening wombs. In Jesus' name, I thank you right now. I think, I mean it, I mean it. There's, there's wombs. The doctors told you you can't have babies. We just curse that word right now. We thank you for wombs being open in the name. Cystic fibrosis uh, being removed in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you right now as a sign that you're saying be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. Lord, that there's wombs that are being opened. We just release that now, Father. We bless what you're doing in this room. In the name of Jesus. And they all said? Amen. Amen.